0: Hello and welcome to the cult of pop. My name is Brian Stevens and with me is
1: Travis Michelet.
0: The the ninth wonder of the world, Travis Michelet. Yes,
1: for for reasons unknown. No, I. Wonderful nonetheless.
0: I know why. Uh, So I moved some furniture with Travis. Well, I should say I watched Travis move furniture. He is a man among. No, sorry. He's a god among men. You're. I like speechless? it. You're speechless? I mean, I'll,
1: I'm not going to stop you from saying uh, great compliments.
0: My stepfather-in-law, I think, was in all of you. I think he uh, he's not going to hear this probably, but he may have had an erection. I don't know.
1: I mean, I wasn't looking for it. I was moving furniture, so.
0: I think the only thing that would have made it better is if you'd have taken your shirt off, to be honest.
1: Well, I mean, I don't lift weights for nothing. I mean, had I known there was an audience
0: uh, Maybe, you know what, I, so there's a, a local moving company And it may be a national franchise, I don't know It's called College Hunks Moving Junk um, If you, you know, if this uh, if this coding thing doesn't work out for you Maybe uh, you got a second life
1: Podcast Hunks Moving Junk There we go Yeah Travis, uh, we have But I, we, we're we not talking about furniture junk, right?
0: No, of course not We're, yeah. talking, about, we're talking about dicks Yeah, one inch at <laughs> a time I mean, multiple inches, multiple <laughs> inches <laughs> Chavis, what's up, man? We have an awesome show. Yes, we do. Uh, this episode is gonna be, I think, one of the more, uh, I don't, I don't know, the way, streamlined episode. We, I think, we have some really solid stuff to talk about. We're gonna talk about uh, Benioff and Weiss and Game of Thrones. Uh, maybe not what you what you're thinking, but they don't really go together, but they kind of do because. The news was released on the same day, and it made me laugh. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about HBO Max because we got some big news breaking in the streaming wars. HBO Max, uh, we have their release date. We have some new content that they're adding, and we also have a price. Um, so that's awesome news. Uh, and then we are going to give you our top five creature features. Dun, dun, dun. So, Travis, because I'm a terrible, terrible creature podcast host i forgot to check and see if we have any email so i'm gonna do that now
1: let's do it right now
0: I, i'm i will say that there is uh, i'm gonna say a 10 percent chance that we have an email um from anyone because we haven't gotten a consistent amount of emails in the last i don't know forever so um Let's see, let's see if we can figure this out. Uh, also, I want to do a plug, so this is a perfect opportunity. You can always email the podcast at cultofpop at gmail.com. That's cultofpop with a K at gmail.com. And Travis, they should go to our website and check out the new article I just posted by listener Drew Maciarelli. You haven't got a chance to to read it yet have you i
1: just posted it today
0: it's making a
1: case for class and cinema
0: yeah so uh if you have some extra time on your hands and you want to be (sighs) stimulated uh drew is bringing a little bit of class to the midnight film review i mean
1: something we're definitely lacking here
0: uh yeah, and uh, we definitely needed to class it up. But it's no, it's a great article. Uh, basically, what the article is is he talks about um, films that address classism uh, within the. Uh, well, this I just I've opened it up and I've got a bunch of emails here, but they're all from Venmo. What is happening? I got a bunch of I don't even know why my Venmo is connected to this.
1: Maybe email. maybe they they gave us money.
0: Um, no, it looks like they're taking money from me. Uh, also Simply Safe is blowing up this email. Uh what I don't know what is happening. This is am You've I been am, am I am I logged into the right email address here? I'm not. It's the wrong email address, Travis. This is terrible podcasting.
1: What in the hell is going on right now? Okay, uh, so while he does that, back to the article. Okay, not every movie needs to have you feeling ready to write in the streets. But when the film can catch I, both I, entertainment. And leave you a little more critical of the world around you. Dun dun dun. So
0: you just read the excerpt. I thought you were yeah. reading. I'm like, are you going to read the whole article? No. So we don't have any emails, of course. I, I should have known, but but anyway, anyways, emails, call to pop at gmail.com. All right, Travis, let's let's get into the show. I, uh, I'm very disappointed in our listeners right now. All right, Game of Thrones. So we talked about Game of Thrones. I think the ending of Game of Thrones we talked about, right? Didn't we?
1: We talked about how pretty much shitty it was in that D and D, Dan and Dave, Beni and Weiss. Yeah, we were we were under the impression, at least I read the impression, that they really wanted to get started on this Star Wars thing that they had with Disney, and they didn't have enough time to do both. So that's kind of why the last two seasons of game of Thrones wasn't the greatest. The writing wasn't the greatest. The directing, actually the directing was pretty good, but the writing just sucked. Yeah. So they blamed Dan and Dave with being preoccupied with Disney in their star Wars. But what did we learned uh, this Monday is that many
0: Hoff and Weiss, D and D are no longer part of this upcoming trilogy. Now, according to a Deadline article, uh, they the much-publicized deal with uh, Disney and Luke's film was exited by the pair because they signed. they announced a deal on Monday with Netflix.
1: Yeah, so they were taken away from Disney because they maybe were offered a better deal with Netflix that required too much of their time. How much of this do you buy? I buy zero of it. I think they were probably dropped like a hot rock from Disney, and this is both their way and Disney's way of staying civil and not having any bad press about anything.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I think, too. I think you put it on – you hit the nail on top of that. I think Disney, after seeing the last season of Game of Thrones, they probably were not too excited with the pair. And we don't know. They could have presented them with scripts already, and Disney been like, "Uh, this is not what we were thinking
1: yeah, uh, Disney's known for not giving the directors a lot of control. They allow you to make the movie you want. We edited, we edit it our way. Mm-hmm. So that's why every Disney movie, like all the superhero movies, look kind of the same, even though they have drastically different directors.
0: Yeah. And you, if you know, most of the Star Wars films have the same look and feel to them. Too. Yeah. They, they haven't really changed. Not like you're going, you're not doing some kind of crazy cinematography. You're not doing insane. Uh, you know, color corrections or fish islands is it's, 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 you know, it's pretty much it's pretty standard stuff. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I think this is good for Disney and the project. And honestly, I think it's good for Benny up and Weiss because Netflix will let them do whatever they want. And guess what? If they make crap, if it's not good, Netflix doesn't care. It's just going to fall into the middle of the streaming pack. And it doesn't matter. You know, there's, if they fail, if you fail with a Disney project, your name could be ruined for years. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, this is one of those things where I think they got off a little...
1: Yeah, I think I think both sides win. Disney dropped them while they needed to. Netflix is going to let them have the creative control that they want. I, I still think Disney dropped them, though.
0: I, I do, too. I don't think... Uh, because if you are given the opportunity, Travis, you and I aren't filmmakers, but if somebody said, what would you rather do? everything being equal, make a star Wars trilogy or do something for Netflix. Let me just say the residuals on the star Wars, no matter how crappy it is,
1: are going to la- they're going to pay for your grandkids, grandkids to go through college. So not only that, but the budget they'd give you, yeah. you can do just about anything with Disney money. Agreed.
0: So I, I'm with you. I think Disney was like, Hey guys, let's, uh, let's just, we're going to say face here. You're going to say face. Let's just, you go, you just say you stepped away from this project and we'll be good. Yeah. Um so speaking of Game of Thrones, we've talked in this podcast before, and I think you you're excited, you were excited for these prequels that are supposed yeah. to be coming out.
1: So there are five prequels that were in development at different stages. One got the furthest and that was uh the Long Night prequel, which it's kinda of said a thousand years, maybe even further ahead of what we what we know is like the Game of Thrones timeline. And it apparently just got the axe.
0: Yeah, so they shot the the they shot the pilot Mm -hmm. over over the summer, and uh, the execs at HBO watched it. And this is supposed this is the one that was going to start Naomi Watts, um, Mm -hmm. had a pretty robust cast, and Jane Good Goldman, uh, showrunner, was connected to it. And they said, you know what, this isn't this isn't what we want, so uh, we're gonna pass. So they passed, So even though the pilot was shot and filmed, this is not coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, they're going to move forward with a prequel that's going to focus on the Targaryen civil war. Um, and that's going to be about 300 years before uh, the events of game of Thrones. To me, honestly, Travis, th- that story is a lot less interesting than the one that they were talking about doing.
1: Yeah. The, the long Night sound like a great idea. It's really out of nowhere. Cause this was the one that's like furthest along in the development process and if you know anything about game of thrones it takes a while for them to like turn out an episode you know a year if not longer right yeah so this is pushing like that whole schedule back so i don't know what they're going to do if they're going to try to like bring the next prequel into production a lot faster than they originally planned or, or are they just going to scrap all of game of thrones
0: Yeah, so it says, according to this article, in September, HBO was close to giving pilot order for a second series based on an idea from George R. R. Martin and colony creator Ryan Condal. That series would adapt uh, Fire and Blood. It's uh, Mm -hmm. Martin's fictional history book detailing the Targaryen dynasty. So they haven't even officially given that a go. It just, that's the closest one to being in production. Now, here's the thing, and I think you'll agree with this. The further we get out from Game of Thrones, uh, in the zeitgeist, yeah the, hype. yeah, the less interested people are going to be in these series. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to matter ultimately because we can segue this actually into HBO Max. As we're talking about HBO Max, mm-hmm. the next thing we're going to talk about, or since we're talking about HBO, we can talk about HBO Max. So I don't think it really matters because they're going to be putting a lot of, they're going to be throwing a lot of stuff on their streaming service. So this could be just another thing for the streaming service, uh, if it's bad. That's what I kind of was kind of curious why they didn't pick up that pilot. Because I know it's money, and you're sinking money into it. But if Netflix and Hulu and Disney have showed us anything, it's you can kind of just make whatever product you want. Some of it's going to be good. Some of it's going to be bad. But you can just – it's always on there. It's always yeah. – the library is always going to exist. Mm-hmm. Um so, I don't know, man. I was kind of shocked that HBO didn't say go ahead with this. And they do not have to put all the money that they were going to put behind it. But just see what happened. I don't know. I was kind of shocked by that.
1: Yeah, I'm very shocked by that. I'm also shocked by their next pick in line, which is the Targaryens. Only because dragons are very expensive. Right, yeah. That's going to be probably more expensive than the game of thrones series is this series that features prominently a family that deals with dragons and dragons are expensive cgi
0: yeah you know honestly i really wasn't even thinking about that but you made a good point there that is
1: that's when i literally thought was not gonna make it yeah out of the five prequels
0: because you know game of thrones is already the most expensive tv show in the history of television and now they're kind of doubling down on that which whatever it's their money but Uh, it seemed like The Long Night was going to be a little more
1: feasible. I don't know.
0: That's just me. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about HBO Max.
1: So... This is HBO's like third product. We have HBO Go, HBO Now, HBO Regular, and HBO Max.
0: Well, so I'm going to, as soon as I find the article, uh, here's the thing with HBO. If... You have an HBO Go membership, mm-hmm. so if you if you have if so if you've had HBO um, now, that was their on-demand version, mm-hmm. which is basically like uh, if you're a cord cutter, then
1: yeah, you can get HBO, HBO without getting they're, cable.
0: They're removing that option, and HBO Max will fill in. Will basically HBO now will turn into HBO Max mm-hmm. if you have an HBO Go uh, account m- account, which is basically if you had a. Uh, Directv, AT and T, or you know whatever your cable yeah. provider is, if you if you have uh, HBO through them, you could download this app, put in your provider information, and you could basically have the same access yeah. as you did to HBO. Now, uh, if you have that, you will have HBO Max. So this is what's this is this is a game changer, Travis, in a lot of ways. So if you're an ATT subscriber, or let's just say you have Directv or something. And you ha- you already have it. HBO. You 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 subscribe the fifteen dollars a month, whatever. I think it's fifteen ninety nine. Yep, it's fifteen ninety nine. So if you have that already, and then all of a sudden you're like, uh, man, HBO Max is coming out. Am I going to have to fork over more money for this? Well, the answer to that is no. You you get that too. So not only are you getting HBO's library. The library of Game of Thrones, Sopranos, The Wire, uh, Deadwood. All these great shows. But you're also getting now Friends. You're getting all the content that Warner owns. And just announced as well, the $500 million catalog of South Park and Rick and Morty. So all these things are going to HBO Max. This is... I would say for the consumer, awesome. I mean, don't you think so? I mean,
1: Uh, I'm super stoked about this. The South Park creators, when they actually signed a contract with Cartoon Network, one of the deal was they'd own the online content. That means whatever is streaming, they make all that money. None of the royalties go to Cartoon Network. These guys are making bank off of this move. $500 million. 500 million dollars. Uh, I
0: mean, so I'm looking I'm looking at this article by Fox and uh sorry, it's 14.99, not 15.99. Not the the whole dollar matters that much. But um the company uh is basically saying like if you love your HBO content or if you love your Netflix content, we're merging those two together because, you know, Friends is one of the biggest things on Netflix. It's one of their most watched shows. And we knew that the big hubbub was it's leaving Netflix and it's going to HBO max. I can guarantee you just because I know my wife, we're going to have to get HBO max. I was kind of thinking about it anyways, because of all the content that HBO provides, but I wasn't sure what the price was going to be Yeah, because we were talking. that the price could be 30, 40 bucks, mm-hmm. but they want to compete with Netflix and so they're, the price is 14.99. Uh, I'm going to get it. I think it's a no-brainer. Uh, I mean, what do you think?
1: Uh, I think it's a great value. Is it a better value than the Disney proposition right now? Cuz Disney Plus yeah. just an add-on, it's was it 4.99? $4.99, 4.99 on top of if you already have Hulu.
0: Yeah. Well, then that's what they're talking about doing the Hulu bu- bundle, which uh, will be rumored between Seventeen ninety nine for depending on which Hulu you have, and twenty two ninety nine, and with that bundle you get ESPN Plus, Disney Plus, yeah. and Hulu. So uh, it's one of those That's things. A tough where, one as well. Yeah, it's if
1: you're a Verizon customer and you have unlimited, you get you get Disney Plus for free.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, well, uh, T-Mobile is also doing something. Uh, I think it's with um, Apple. They're doing Apple Plus. Oh yeah,
1: you get Apple Plus if, if you're on that. Yeah, which.
0: Which, you know, so we're seeing a lot of these streaming companies do this, and it makes it makes sense. Um, me, personally, I have Hulu TV. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering how that bundle is going to work. Because right now I'm paying for Hulu TV, mm-hmm. the non-ad version, which is like $50 a month because I don't have cable. I'm paying for Netflix, which is $15 a month. And then I'm paying for... ESPN Plus, which is five dollars a month. So right now my cable bill is seventy bucks. You tap on internet, which is another seventy bucks. I'm at one forty. I was at one eighty with my cable bill. I'm not saving a ton of money if I go out there and I buy HBO Max, and if I add Disney Plus, if I add. I mean, it's just you're starting to add up. It's it's pretty crazy.
1: Well, you're going to pay for internet anyways. Right. So I wouldn't count that. Then hopefully you get Amazon if you're an Amazon Prime I, guy. Yeah, I have Amazon so you get, Prime. So you get Prime TV for free. Uh, Prime has some good content on it as well. well. or at least it's getting there. I don't know, man. I really don't want Netflix to die though, because they're like they're like that one like dark horse in the race that you don't know if they're gonna make it. I there's no there's no doubt in my mind that HBO is gonna make it. They're backed by Warner. They're they're going to be around for a long yeah. time. Disney's going to make it because they're Disney. They own the world.
0: Right. right. And the price points, honestly, that's the thing, man, is HBO's coming. This HBO Max deal is coming out guns blazing. I mean, 50, people were expecting it to be anywhere from $30 to $50. And when they said fifteen ninety nine, you know the people at Netflix went. They bent over and they, they grabbed their buttholes.
1: Oh Disney, they're also coming out with uh, Hocus Pocus two. If you get Disney Plus, oh, you'll yeah, get Hocus, Hocus Pocus, Pocus, Pocus two, which has the original cast, the three witches.
0: Oh wow! So that's gonna yeah. You're, I mean, I've already the, talked to people like a lot of the women in my life are excited because it's gonna have every Disney property ever, every Disney property pro, pro, property ever. So I mean, any of the TV shows that they produced from way back in the day. Not even like I'm talking like. Like, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but, you know.
1: Well, as soon as the cooling, off period, Robinson. As soon as the cooling off period is settled, uh, they're going to bring back Daredevil, they're going to bring back Jessica Jones, they're going to bring back uh, The Punisher, and it's all going to be on Disney. So, you're going to have great content, but it's going to have to be toned down to be PG-13 to be on, on the Disney Plus channel. Right,
0: yeah. Yeah, so, man, this is. I'm just. I'm reading this article, and it, it's basically this. This whole article is saying like, uh, you know, Netflix is in trouble, and I keep going back to that. Oh, one thing that we should also mention, and I totally forgot to mention this to you. Uh, and I just think it's funny is, uh, last week, uh, NBC Universal. We had been talking about them having their own streaming content yeah they announced their stream their streaming content is going to be called peacock and they're going to it's basically going to be an ads version so similar to how hulu was in the beginning where they're going to show ads but it's going to be like three dollars a month Mm -hmm. that's i'm not gonna and that's something i'm not gonna buy
1: yeah everyone's going that way i wish it'd be just like the radio and everyone's content was basically everybody to use so it's like if you want this content, you have to buy this provider. If you want that content, you have to buy that provider, and that's that's not a model I really like.
0: No, I mean I don't think it's a, it's not consumer friendly, but then again, it is. I mean, we're talking about millions of hundreds, billions of dollars on the line here, and it, you're just you're never gonna get you're never gonna get all this content on the same platform. It's just not gonna happen. I, I, it's unfortunate. But, I mean, the the thing that bothers me most, this, I'm going on a rabbit trail here, and I think you'll agree. Like, one thing I really don't like is a lot of these pay for, um, I don't know, they're called like AVOD or something, ad, video on demand, ads with, whatever it is. It's video on demand with ads. And mm-hmm. we're seeing, Hulu, even though they have a portion that's ad-free, ad, ad quote-unquote, some of the stuff that you you know I record on TV you can't fast forward through the ads and the whole the, what made streaming so cool was there was no ads yeah you know I don't mind I, here's the thing I don't mind a 60 second ad or even a minute 20 ad playing before my program, but I don't want ads popping up in between my program. yeah,
1: it definitely kills the flow of whatever you're watching.
0: And that's one area where I think Netflix, I think, I don't, H, HBO Max is going to be similar in this, but that's where they have a leg up on Hulu, to be honest with you, is they they are doing no outside advertising. Don't know how long that's going to last, and they may have to succumb to it just to survive, but if they did it something like that, where, kind of similar to what YouTube does what, with the pre-roll ads, not the in, yeah. in-roll ads, those are the ones that drive me up a wall, but a pre-roll ad for 60 seconds, ah, d- dude... I, Whatever, that's fine.
1: It's fine with me. I actually wish Netflix would do that with their own content because they have so much, so many original things. I don't even know they they're there. Yeah, falsehood. The Correct. So yeah. if they would like just pre-roll with their own content and give me like a little blurb of like, "Hey, we just came out with this," I'd actually appreciate that.
0: Dude, I'm with you on that. I totally agree. Because how many times have you been like, you hear somebody talking about something, and you're like, "Oh, what's that on there?" Like Netflix, I'm like, I didn't, I haven't seen that on Netflix. What? And then you're like, oh, yeah, there it is. Or something – the other thing, too, is that I – like, I appreciate the algorithm because it will suggest titles that you may or may not like, which I think is – that's great. But I have a pretty wide variety of things I like, and there will be stuff that gets caught way – like, that. I have to literally go out and search for it because it will never show up in my algorithm ever, you know? Like, if – like, because of the movies that I've liked or
1: I've watched the shows that I've liked to watch – um, but that's kind of frustrating, to be honest. Yeah, I also don't like that it's you know only a thumbs up and thumbs down. Yeah, it doesn't give you a star rating of how much you would like it or how much people in general like it.
0: I wish they pulled. Uh, that's so that's a that's another whole another tangent. But I wish there was somebody that would incorporate either Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb or Metacritic. I know so Amazon does do that on some of their stuff, but. On a lot of their stuff, it's just Amazon reviews, which, if you know anything about Amazon reviews, they're kind of pointless, but...
1: Yeah, they're all bought and paid for. Yeah,
0: pretty much. Um, But anyways, I think that's going to do it for open discussion. Yeah. You have anything else to say about any of these?
1: Well, that's what's trending this week.
0: Yeah, there you go. Pop culture. All right, now for the meat and potatoes, Travis. Um, So, we're going to do our top five creature features, and... When I googled creature features um, the meaning it wasn't necessarily at all <laughs> the way that we laid it out yeah so I'm I'll give my definition you give your definition and then you can give us your number five and we'll go back and forth but so what I did with my definition is we said we said no aliens no nothing in outer space I kind of regretted that when I started thinking about it because I started thinking about the thing and aliens yeah. I, but I wanted to avoid like getting too much into the weeds
1: yeah you want to stay away from like sci-fi. I, I, d- I wanted to try to you know but well it's Halloween you want to stick with yeah more I want to stick stuff. with more horror stuff yeah. um and then
0: you know I started thinking like well you know obviously stuff like King Kong is a is a is a creature feature jaws you know Godzilla. But a lot I mean, a lot of that stuff I don't find scary. It's more like with, even with Jaws, it wasn't terrifying to me. It was more just like intense in that yeah. thriller type stuff. So I kind of excluded that stuff as well. And I just focused on um either entities or vampires or zombies or werewolves or you know, monsters of stuff like that. Is, yeah, the
1: classic monster yeah, kind of
0: thing. Is how I focused my uh, my list on, um, you know, monsters, and I kind of cheated a little bit with my number one, and I, I'm waiting because I, I don't. I think you might not be happy with me, but we'll
1: see. We'll see. Terminator Two. <sighs>
0: I should have did Terminator Two. Oh man, why didn't I? Um, but I also will say one caveat because a lot of these I could have made a list full of just zombies, just vampires. You know, we didn't have time to do a whole bunch of episodes this Halloween. Maybe next year, knock on wood, we'll be able to maybe do a little bit bigger, robust shows or longer stuff once we're the show's kind of settled in and we figured out exactly how this is going to go. But I I, I said I'm going to limit myself to one zombie film, one werewolf film, and one vampire film to my list. So those are the rules I set for myself.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much on point with that. Uh, you know, want to stay away from sci-fi want to definitely pick some more of like the classic kind of monsters or creatures and just go from there.
0: All right, cool. Do you want to hit it off with your number five?
1: I'll hit off. Number five, starring the Scarecrow, a group of animal rights activists plunged the world into a complete apocalypse starring Dun, 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 Chillin' Murphy. The, uh, he's the Scarefrow, Scarecrow from the Batman movies. I was
0: confused when you said the Scare at the beginning. I was like, what are you talking about?
1: So this is uh, this is 28 days later. So basically, the premise is a group of animal rights activists break into this laboratory in London. They go free some monkeys, but every lab scientist in there told them not to do it. And they release, it's called the rage virus. And then this guy, uh, the Scarecrow. Is a bicyclist. <laughs> Scarecrow. Killian Murphy. Is Killian Murphy. That's what we're talking about. Uh, he gets into a, an accident. He's in a coma, and 28 days later, he wakes up in the zombie apocalypse. I.
0: This was almost a zombie film on my list. I. I'm not, not Knowing that you put it on the list makes me feel much better about cutting it out of my list. Okay. Uh, I love this movie. Danny Boyle. Uh, fresh off of Train Spotting, and you know this guy is an excellent director. I mean, you go down his like you go down his list of movies and you're just blown away. But you know, um, with, well, let's let's leave out the beach because a lot of people hate the beach. But um, you know, coming off Train Spotting and the Beach, he went into this movie and everybody's like, Danny Boyle's doing a horror movie and is like, yeah, Danny Boyle's doing a horror movie. And th- but the thing I love most about this movie is it was written by Alex Garland, mm-hmm. who has become one of my favorite writer directors. Uh, Ex Machina, Annihilation. And you can just tell this movie was written by somebody who knows how to write a screenplay. This movie is intense. It's scary. And, Travis, it introduced us to Fast fast Zombies, man. Yes. So he took the genre and flipped it on its head. I love this movie. I'm so happy you made it your number five choice. Uh,
1: They actually had two different endings. Uh, They had a very sad ending that was the ending. But it didn't test well with the audience, so they had to redo the ending. Make it more uplifting, Make, you know, the good yeah. guys win. It's such a
0: dark movie. I think that you need that light ending. I'm glad it ended the way it did. That's my opinion. I'm not all for happy endings, but, like, some movies, you just come on. Give us a happy ending.
1: I am I am all for happy endings. I don't want to see a movie. <laughs> I bet you are. I don't want to see a movie get depressed by the end of it. I'll be like, I want my money back. Yeah. Um, You're number five. My
0: number five. All right. So... When I started looking at movies that may have shaped my little me, uh, I wanted to get something from my childhood in here that scared me, Mm -hmm. but was also like very – let me see. I'm trying to think of the way to put this. It transcended the genre in a lot of ways, and that movie's The Howling. Have you ever heard of The Howling?
1: I have not heard of The Howling.
0: Okay, so uh, The Howling is – a movie by Joe Dante. Uh, so those of you might remember, uh, Joe Dante, I'm sorry, I'm trying to pull up his filmography, known for movies like the Gremlins, uh, known for movies like the Burbs, which is one of my all time favorite movies. Um, he has a weird mixture of humor and horror. Um, he got his, I mean, this was pretty much, he, he, he did, uh, Piranha was his first movie. Um, Prana, the 1976, kind of ripped off Jaws, both Piranhas. Um, he went from that to The Howling. And basically what he did with The Howling was he took the werewolf genre and he took this book, which was written by a guy named Gary Brander, which I don't really know who that is. And he took he took it to John Sayles, another famous director, or very famous writer. Um, and he said, hey, I want to make a movie about werewolves, this is the book it's based on, but we need to change a few things. And they basically took this novel and they made it a little campy, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, it was very, very poignant. So at that time in the U.S., in the 70s, late 70s, um, gurus were real big. And, you know, you you were coming off of the 60s and the hippies and, and end of the, you know, we were approaching the end of Vietnam. And so communes were really popular. And so he what happens is this d wallace plays the lead character karen uh and she goes to this she she's getting is getting stalked by a serial killer so her therapist says listen why don't you go to this farm out in the woods this commune um and relax these are my special patients out there um little does she know it's full of werewolves and um I'm not going to spoil it. The ending is great. One of the best uh, endings to a horror movie you could ask for. But also, Travis, this movie has so much nudity in it. And Howling, the Howling movie, there's like seven Howling movies or six Howling movies. Yeah. They're known for being like super sexual. And the the transformation in this movie, which came out before American Werewolf in London, they, those are kind of the two movies that everybody forgets about the Howling because American Werewolf in London was so
1: yeah was Popular, yeah.
0: <clears throat> but and it kind the American Wolf in London kind of did the transformation just a little bit better. But the techniques that were used in this movie were used for years to come. It kind of changed the way that um, prosthetics were done in Hollywood. So that's kind of as long lasting. That and just boobies everywhere. But um, yeah, my number five is Joe Dante's The Howling.
1: I like it. I like it. So should we go with my number four? Number four. Okay. So this movie. Is the most 90s cast of all time, starring Ren- Renato Wall- Ryder, Anthony Hopkins, Keanu Reeves, Gary Oldman, and this is 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula. Okay, so this is based on Bram Stoker's uh, classic 1897 novel. Uh, so Dracula travels to London in attempt to seduce a young girl. Uh, Mia, due to the fact that she looks exactly like the Count's 15th century deceased lover. This won three Academy Awards, uh, went on to fame as a pinball machine, two video games, and a comic book series. I didn't know it was a pinball machine, really?
0: Okay, wow. Uh, Great cast, Anthony Hopkins, Gary Oldman, Keanu Reeves, uh, went on writer, as you mentioned, Richard Grant, Carrie Ells is in this movie.
1: Yeah, from Uh, Princess Bride, man.
0: But, most famously... This movie was directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Yes. Fresh off of the Godfather trilogy. We're talking Bram Stoker's Dracula. This is a movie that I couldn't wait to rent when I was like 11 years old. I loved horror movies. I loved Dracula. And I was so weirded out by uh, Gary Oldman's performance. So weird. It's so weird. He was perfect for that role. Um, I haven't watched this movie in a long time. um, But excellent choice. I mean, this is kind of like the quintessential vampire movie i think
1: yeah when i when i think of vampire movies i think of this one now
0: uh yeah right yeah yeah Yeah, of course i mean all the i mean have you ever tried to read bram stoker's dracula (laughs) dude that movie or that book is first of all it's super thick just watch this movie you get the gist (laughs) yeah this is the perfect cliff notes for that for that book anyways uh anything else about your number four
1: uh the only bad casting choice people said was uh Keanu Reeves and mm-hmm. he was basically cast the role just to be good looking guy to yeah. pull in more female viewers. So if you can overlook that, I think, I think you're in for a great time. So I'm going
0: to get a lot of people that's going to scoff at my number four. Um, but I think, I think if you truly, uh, are honest with yourself, you'll agree. So a lot of people say that the, I think it's this 1974 version, uh, of Dawn of the Dead. I might be, I'm not sure about the year, but the George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead is like one of the best zombie movies ever made. Well I put the two thousand four Zack Snyder version of Dawn of the Dead. And let me tell you why. For a few reasons. One, it's updated and it's modern. Yeah. Um two, it takes the fast zombies from that we talked about earlier from Twenty Eight mm-hmm. Days Later, and it brings it up a notch. And it's a bit of a rock star type movie. There's awesome zombie kills in this. There's awesome uh, tension in this mm-hmm. movie. That that fir- the first opening zombie scene where um, Sarah Polly, who plays Anna, uh, is she wakes up in her. I'm not. This is if you haven't seen the movie, uh, I guess it's kind of a spoiler. But there's a little girl in her room. That is a freaking zombie and it's the middle of the day. She's a night nurse, so she's tired and she wakes up and her husband and her are in bed and she's like uh, the neighbor or whatever. And she's got like blood on her. And then she realizes like, Oh shit, she's going to attack us. And she immediately kills her husband. And then it's from then on out, it's balls to the wall. It doesn't yeah. stop. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I love this movie. James Gunn. Um, our buddy James Gunn rewrote the screenplay for this. So we have James Gunn, Zack Snyder, uh, it stars. It's got Ving Rhames, Mackay Pfeiffer, Jake Weber, Ty Burrell, uh, Michael Kelly. Uh, and then I mentioned Sarah Polly, but the cast is awesome. Love that. I, I don't know. I'm also one of those people that like, how'd oh, be so cool if there's a zombie apocalypse and you were trapped in a mall. Like, I don't know. That was like, oh, all I could ever think about was that. Um, I don't know, have you ever
1: seen this movie? Yeah. For me, it was a tough pick between this and uh, 28 Days Later.
0: I, that's pretty much what I was that's, picking between, two.
1: Yeah. Uh, 28 Days Later just came a year before. Yeah. And it produced the Fast Zombies. But this is a remake of a great movie already. And I think it took it up a notch. You know, just better writing, better directing. And, you know, just uh, the special effects and stuff make it a lot better, too.
0: Yeah. It's more updated. If Like, I love the original, but it's... The '70s it just feels so dated, you know. Like it feels. I don't know. It just. This movie, it it took the idea and it takes it to the next notch. And there's some humor in here. There's some fun, a uh, little bit of levity. I don't know. I I really love this movie. So that's my number four. Okay. Number three, Travis.
1: Travis is number three. Perfection. A small desert town gradually becomes aware of a strange creature that picks people off one by one. As a symbologist is working in the era. detects tremors so this is a very I, campy movie again i'm but so i love glad. this movie
0: if seriously if i these other movies you're picking were like movies that i want was gonna i was so close to putting on my list and i didn't and it's like you're making the second half of my top 10 list go on sorry i just uh, am happy that you're, you're of your list so far
1: okay from the writers of bill cosby's ghosted comes <laughs> tremors and later the wild wild west so yes. Uh, this is known as the Jaws of the Desert. Is basically pitched that way because, in a, in a way, it is. Right. Um, but I pick this definitely over Jaws because to me this is more of like of a creature, like a monster right. type yeah, thing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And it stars Kevin Bacon. Him and his him and his brother are like repairmen, and they have a ra- a wacky crew of people that work together to take on these these creatures. Uh, this spun off into a bunch of movies, TV shows. They're pitching another TV show as we speak right now. And it's not, it's not super scary, but it's full of action and it's really campy and it's just a fun movie to watch.
0: Yeah. Great comedy too. Great comedy. uh, Great, great performance by Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon, the two leads, man, this movie, it's one of the, it seems like it's, I don't know, people call it campy and it is, but it's a good campy. It's, 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 quintessential 90s cinema i feel oh like, yeah you know but it's i don't know the monsters are done so well like you have um uh the dad from i can't uh, the dad from uh growing Pains. growing pains uh, i can't remember his
1: name yeah he's the he's the crazy like uh Bert, survivalist Bert
0: is an, Bert and and uh, heather uh, reba mcintyre uh, the singer of Mac they have these, they're these like gun toting, uh, I got kind of libertarians that in the middle yeah. of the desert that are like, come to the rescue because they got this like arsenal of weapons that they helps them defeat the, the monsters. Uh, you know what I love most about this movie too, is we don't need a corny explanation of why they're there. That's true. They're just, they're there. They're, they've always existed. It seems like they're ancient predators and, they're brought, it's so good. I, I just, I love this movie. I'm so glad you, you made it to your, to your list. And number 3 I'm so happy.
1: Okay. Brian Stevens, what is your number three?
0: So I might get a little bit of flack for this, but I, I truly believe this is a creature, uh, feature. Um, because even though we never see the entity that is doing the killing, it's not a ghost. It's not a demon. The movie clearly lays out that it is something more. And that's It Follows. Um, Directed and written by David Robert Mitchell. Um, Very interesting director and writer who uh, I have big hopes for in the future. Stars Micah Monroe uh, and a couple other people that really haven't been anything else. But this was kind of her big break. She plays Jay Height. A young woman who is followed by an unnatural super force after a sexual encounter. So it's pretty on the nose with its um, allegory here of being a sexually transmitted disease. But this unseen entity um, will follow you until you pass it along through sexual intercourse to someone else. Um, And then it will track that person down. And once it kills that person, sorry, once it kills that person, it'll then once again move back to you. So you have to keep having sex with people in order to keep yourself alive. Um, but you're at the same time, you're basically cursing this person to death. Um, it's super inventive, super smart, um, well acted, very intense. Um, I love this movie. If you haven't seen it, I think it's one of the best horror films in the last decade for sure. Um, and, uh, really good editing, really good, really well shot. Um, yeah, it follows. Definitely check it out. Have you seen it, Travis? Yeah, I
1: actually stumbled upon this while I was searching through Netflix. Really, just randomly, you know, looked it up, saw it on Netflix, and this is why Netflix needs to promote their stuff. Um, but I like it because it's like it's a slow-moving entity. Yeah, right? it's right. It's super slow. It's super slow, and you can see it; no one else can. And sometimes you have to make sure it's there. So in in the movie, the person that has the disease or whatever will be like, hey, did you see that person? Did you see that? And when they say no, the, then you know, okay, it's back onto me. I have to sleep with somebody else and put it onto them. Yeah, yeah. It is creepy in a different way. And it's like it's like a stalker film kind of thing. I really like it. And it and it has this tone to it that's super eerie throughout the whole movie. And you just got to get this like chilling, like eerie sense and like yeah. dirty. Yeah.
0: And it was filmed in the midst of, uh, in, in Detroit, in the midst of uh, their downturn. So like a lot of the city is boarded up and it's just like this middle America town that's like garbage. These are like middle class white kids, but. Like, there's no cell phones in the movie, but it feels like it's in the 90s. Like, there's a tube TV in one house, but in the next house, there's a flat screen. It's, like, it's all over the place, like, when it comes to, like, the setting. But, man, yeah, I'm glad you've seen it. I'm glad you know what I'm talking about because uh, it's – would you agree with, like, it's it's a, a creature feature? I mean, do you – Oh, yeah,
1: for sure. For sure. I just didn't think about it till you brought it up, man.
0: Awesome. All right. That was my uh, number three. You're Number two.
1: Number two. A journalist investigates a mysterious videotape, which seems to cause the death of anyone who sees it after a phone call one week later. Ah. And this is 2002 The Ring.
0: Again, I wanted to put this on my list, and I didn't, because I felt like you would, and I'm really glad you did. I love our symmetry here. Our lists are, are are not the same, but you're hitting all the right tones.
1: Okay, just like the Game of Thrones prequel that stars uh, Naomi Watts, Uh, This is a remake of a 1998 Japanese horror flick uh, called Ringu, obviously. And uh, this started off the J-horror scene. So that stands for Japanese horror. That really brought in a lot of Japanese movie to the mainstream to be remade in America. Um, This is only, I think, PG-13. I saw it in high school. And when I was watching it, I was literally thinking, how the hell... Is this PG 13? This is the scariest thing I've seen at that time in my life.
0: I guess I didn't realize that either.
1: Yeah, it's super creepy within the, the video or within the movie. You actually see the video. It's this super grainy black and white thing. It pans to like flies and eyeballs and weird rooms. And then it pans to this ring. And then, you know, the ring is the phone call, the ring is also what you see. It's very scary very creepy and if you haven't seen it do yourself a favor and go see this movie
0: yeah uh, probably one of the best horror movies uh in the last 20 years I think in in the US and and Japan I mean the original people love uh this when I saw this movie I watched it by myself in my house and I immediately after it was over I was, my dad who loves horror kind of introduced me to horror movies you know I was like you have to watch this movie and that doesn't happen long so I'm, I watched this movie and then I immediately made my dad watch it so, the director,
1: Gore Verbisky. So, you pass it on to your father, now he dies.
0: Now he dies, yes. He dies. Can we talk a little bit real quick about Gore uh, cinema uh, filmography? Let's do this. So, the first movie he ever made as a director, 1997's Mouse Hunt. Yes. Okay, starring Nathan Lane. Uh, his second movie he ever made, the, ni- the 2001 movie... The Mexican, sorry, Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts. Then he went on to do The Ring. Okay. Then followed The Ring with two Pirates of the Caribbean Caribbean movies, The Curse of the Black Pearl and Dead Man's Chest. Oh, sorry, he also did At the World's End as well. So he did three Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Sandwiched in between there, he did the Nicolas Cage feature, The Weatherman. He then did the animated feature, Rango. And then he did The Lone Ranger with Johnny Depp. Uh, and then he did most recently A Cure for Wellness. That is a crazy filmography.
1: Yeah, it's all over the place.
0: Insane. Sorry. Anyways, said the other way. Ring, excellent movie, though. Great choice. All okay. right. So my number two?
1: Brian's. Number two is.
0: Okay. So I have a story to tell, Travis. I okay, saw this guys, movie. Okay guys, Brian's
1: coming out of the closet. <laughs> Let's all listen.
0: I saw this movie when I was uh, when I was 14 13 years old, I think. 13 or 14 years old, okay? Uh 13 probably. Uh me and a group of my friends lied to my mother and said this movie is rated PG thirteen, but uh not everybody with us is thirteen because my friend was twelve. So can you sign our tickets so we can go see this movie the movie was rated r so me and my four friends basically snuck in and we saw robert rodriguez written by robert kurtzman starring quentin tarantino from *Dust till dawn uh love this movie to this day i've watched it probably once a year um so for this movie is kind of split up into two movies, is, is the way it, like like most Robert Rodriguez or Tarantino films. It's there's a something there's a it's really like six acts where you have one movie and then two movies and they're sandwiched together. So basically, you have George Clooney who plays Seth Gecko, his brother Quentin Tarantino, uh, Richard Gecko. They are on the run from the law, and they kidnap a family with, that is. Fathered by Harvey Keitel and uh, Juliet Lewis's her, his daughter, and he has a son. Who is no offense to that actor, but it's a no name actor. Um, and they kidnap this family, and they they're trying to go to Mexico to meet at this titty bar called the the Titty Twister. Yes. That, unbeknownst to them, uh, at dawn they're meeting uh, this gangster who's going to give them money, and basically they're going to have a new life to live together. But it is uh ran by vampires well it's ran by cheech yeah cheech marin yeah yes cheech marin is there i forgot about cheech so as the sun goes down the doors are locked and any of the patrons inside are consumed by vampires well um of course all hell breaks loose and they decide to fight back uh this movie is full of tension it's full of horror it's full of gore it's full of humor uh, and it's full of heart too. Um, and faith. Like there's so many themes in this movie. I, I, I absolutely love it. Um, Quentin Tarantino doing his best <laughs> self impersonation. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's from Don. Have you seen it?
1: Uh, not only have I seen it, it's on my honorable mentions.
0: Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. It's a,
1: it's a great movie. Um, I wanted to pick it, but I already had a zombie movie and I already had a vampire movie. And I was like, "This is kind of both because it's a bunch of vampires." Yeah. And I yeah. was like, "I can't add another one to my list, but man, this is a great movie. It's uh, it's not like your typical horror movie. It's like an action movie. It really is, yeah. Yeah, in a horror movie, it is awesome. It's a great, it's a great movie."
0: Yeah. Uh, one thing I love most about this movie is the fact that you said there's a bunch of vampires because there's zombie vampires, there's bat vampires, like. He, yeah, any they're kind all over vampire, the spectrum. You, it's like any kind of trope that have, you could come about is in this in this movie. Um, yeah. So before we do your number one, let's do our honorable mentions. Go for it, Jeff.
1: Okay. My first honorable mention is The Duke.
0: Ah, yes, yes, The Duke. Great movie. Great movie.
1: Um, I, I, it's definitely my honorable mentions because it's a great movie. The, the villain of the movie. You don't know if it's real. You don't know if it's psychosis. Mm-hmm. It kind of goes back and forth. It's personified in something, and is really close to making my making my list. Um, next was Dust Till Dawn, which is a great movie. Uh, after that, I had Once Bitten.
0: I love Once Bitten. Jim Carrey is. That movie is so good. <laughs> I the, love that movie.
1: The only reason I didn't pick that movie is because uh, the villain isn't the villain in it. To me, wasn't like a super like creature-creature kind of yeah,
0: thing. Yeah, she, she's just kind of...
1: Yeah. And also, Jim Carrey's a vampire as well. And I was like, is he the creature of the movie? Not really. But it's a great movie. It's Go fun. watch it. It's fun. A, a fun, fun. movie. Uh, next, after that, I had Jaws. I didn't pick it because it's not like a, an abnormal creature. Mm-hmm. But the, the creature, the monster, is the main point of the movie. It's named after right. it. Uh, Tremors was basically built around this movie. So that's why I picked that next was the fly. Yeah. That was a hard movie not to be on the list. It's such a great movie. The main character is the creature and he loses his humanity. So that's a great movie. Um, the next one, just like jaws, I picked Jurassic park. It's to me, it's a great movie. It, it stands the test of time. Uh, the CGI in it, it's still great to this day. Yep. Um, but again, it wasn't like a weird type it's, monster. Yeah. It's borderline, right? Yeah, it's borderline. Mm-hmm. But it's still, to me, a creature feature. Uh, after that, I didn't pick this one because it's too funny to me. It's uh, What We Do in Shadows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I only got three left. I have Godzilla, which is like the creature when it comes to mm-hmm. creature features. It, the that supernatural clown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeepers Creepers, which was almost on my list because I really like that movie, and uh, last was uh, Big Trouble in Little China.
0: Oh, I didn't even think about that as a like, creature feature. Okay,
1: uh, but that's to me that's too much of an action movie. But definitely, what had like creatures in it, different mystical things in it. Yeah. It's... So I really wanted to like pull that in, but it to me it didn't. It wasn't close enough to the definition of creature feature. All
0: right. Yeah. Um, so my my list is. Almost, I mean, I, I, every one of your, like, literally all the movies that were on your list was on my honorable mentions. Most of the movies that you mentioned, the only one that you didn't mention, or the only ones that you didn't mention, that I'll go ahead and mention, and I would say that, uh, any of the George A. 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 Romero Return of the or Night of the Living Dead, you know, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, all those movies fall into the same thing. Um, I would, I would also say the same thing about. Any of the Christopher Lee Dracula movies, Bride of Dracula, all that stuff, Bride of Frankenstein, any of those movies, I would say, could be on any list for sure. Um, uh, what else? I'm trying to think of, because there was another movie you mentioned, and I was going to bring whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, the Descent, which you didn't mention. I don't know if you have ever mm, seen that movie. Yeah. yeah. The Descent and Descent Two are both great movies. Um, you know about. Uh, the group of girls they go spelunking and they find flesh eating people yeah. um i i toyed so hard with uh, a quiet place but ultimately those are aliens and i kind of feel like yeah. that was you know that was way out of our, out of what i said i was going to do um the one that i so if i was making a top 10 list this would be number 10 just because i love it so much even though it's not a good movie but it's fun and i watch it every halloween because amanda will watch it with me and that's return of the living dead which is basically a comedy horror um it pokes fun of the genre it's from the early 80s um it's a funny movie i still like i said i watch it and return of the living dead too. Uh, both those movies i will watch any day uh, uh i think they're both free on amazon prime so if you haven't seen those movies excuse me watch them um you kind of mentioned this with once bitten uh the other one is is let the right one in uh vampire movie kid vampires not really a scary movie i don't really think it was a horror movie it's more of a drama Mm -hmm. uh so i kind of i left it off my list but um yeah uh let us know your lists email us your creature features your scary movies give us all the good stuff um Travis, which are number one.
1: Okay. When Billy Plitzer is given a small creature by his father for Christmas, he inadvertently breaks three important rules and unleashes a horde of evil mischievous monsters on a small town of Kingston's Falls. And this is 1984's Gremlins.
0: Can I tell you something? I intentionally left it off my uh, my list not my not my top five list. I, it was almost in my top five list. But my honorable mentions, because I had a feeling this was your number one, because it wasn't in your honorable mentions. S- love this movie. Love this movie. Joe Dante, once again. Great symmetry. Yes. Go from The Howling to Gremlins. Boom. There it is.
1: Uh, part ho- horror flick, part comedy, part uh, holiday fun, uh, <laughs> executive and producer, Steven Spielberg, uh... Tim Burton was actually considered to direct this movie. Uh, when they were talking to him about it, it was really more of a horror movie yeah. than it was uh, a comedy horror flick. Uh, the Gremlins were more bad guys, like more murderous, Yeah. basically. Um, this is the second best Christmas movie ever made.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, Die Hard's the first. Yes, of course. Okay, so remember, the power of the Magwai. You know, you can't get them wet. Got to keep him out of bright light. You can't feed them after midnight. This uh, was actually going to be a sequel, or the yeah, the sequel to E.T. Oh, really? Yeah. So E.T. came out, and they were going to do E.T. Yeah. Two, which would be E.T.'s. Basically, ah. and, you know, E.T. was the good guy. The, the rest of the aliens are mischievous and ah, how to deal with that. Okay. But then that ultimately got scrapped. Um,
0: I'm glad they went this way.
1: Yeah, Steven Spielberg uh, decided to go a different way, which is great. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's an Atari game based on this. The scenery is actually the same set as uh, Back to the Future. So if you ever look at Hill Valley it's, and you look at this okay, town, they're nice. the same town. So, maybe they're in the same universe. Maybe not. (laughs) Right? And uh, the best part about this, which is probably also the worst, is the female lead. Uh, In the midst of all the action, she talks about, like, where her suffering comes and why she doesn't like Christmas.
0: Mm, Okay?
1: So, she talks about on a cold Christmas day, she goes to start a fire in her fireplace. But then it started to smell really bad. So they didn't know what to do, the smell kept getting worse, and they called the fire department. Well, it turns out her father, the night before, snuck down to the chimney and got stuck to deliver the presents and pretend to be Santa.
0: That's probably one of the most brutal points of the movie. (laughs) So she lit her father on fire. Yeah, that's uh, pretty dark. Uh, to say the least.
1: This this movie also uh, led to the creation of the PG-13 rating. Steven Spielberg had a good uh, push on that. He wanted something that was a little bit more edgy, but wasn't PG, but he never wanted an R movie. Um, and also, Gizmo, in the beginning, he was actually supposed to be the villain. So when he got wet, he was supposed to turn into the villain and sprout more of these uh, the gremlins but when they tested it everyone fell in love with Gizmo so, so they cute. had to they had to keep him as the good guy yeah. and I'm glad I'm glad they went that way
0: you know what's interesting so I love this movie I have it on Blu-ray um, it is it, it, it did not make my list it could have easily I, I, I toyed with putting it on there I was like toying with this movie being anywhere from 1 to 5 and then I thought you know what Travis will probably on his list so I'm going to leave it off Um, I love this movie. Um, it's funny because I watched the, um, there's a documentary, can't remember what it's called, but director Joe Dante, Mm -hmm. he actually prefers the second Gremlins to this movie. Ooh. He says that it's, uh, a better movie. It's better directed, better, uh, effects and better story. I haven't seen the second one in a long time. Um, but I would say that most people prefer the first gremlins.
1: Yeah. Than... I've, I've seen the second one and I don't think it's, that's cause of the first one anyway.
0: Oh I, yeah. I, I suspect I would feel the same way. Um, the other thing about this movie that I, I truly, truly love is when we meet gizmo, uh, when we meet gizmo, it is like one of the best reveals in the as a kid. If you're watching this, it just You're just like, I want one. Yeah, I want one. And then the moment that, you know, uh, Billy starts breaking the rules and stuff starts going why you're like, oh, maybe I don't want one. Maybe this is not what I want. And my parents always use this as a way, like, oh, you sure you want a dog? You remember what happens in Gremlins? Like, if you don't take care of it, what happens? Um, so, yeah. Anyways, I, I love Gremlins. Great choice. Uh, anything else?
1: That's it. So, All right. So, Brian, what is your number one? Creature Feature.
0: I feel like there's going to be, again, much like the Terminator 2 fiasco of earlier earlier this month, people are going to, excuse me, decry my number one pick. But this, I've had this movie on and off my top ten list of all time. Um, and it's another movie that I shared with my dad that he really loved. Um, it's based on a Stephen King short uh, novella. Um, I almost said short story, but it's really a novella. And uh, it's written and directed by Frank Darabont. You know, he's done movies like Shawshank Redemption, The Walking Dead series. He was the first showrunner before he was fired. And that's The Mist. Uh, Starring Thomas Jane, Marsha Grey Harding, Laurie Holden, Andre Brower, Toby Jones, William Sadler, Jeffrey DeMont. Tons of people in this cast. Uh, Alexa Davos. Just a massive cast. Much like From Dust Till Dawn, or sorry, much like uh, Dawn of the Dead, uh, this movie, uh, you're in one central location for most of the movie. So, what happens is uh, there's a freak storm. This bad storm rolls through this uh, um, New England town, and uh, a man played by Thomas Jane, David Drayton, and his son go to the store to get supplies. And while they're at the store, this mist rolls through, and in this mist is all kinds of crazy creatures uh, that are just destroying everyone. There's things that look like pterodactyls. There's bugs. There's uh, bigger monsters. Like it's it's. I mean, this is a quintessential creature feature to me because it every creature that you could think of is roaming these streets. Things with tentacles. Things with uh, spikes. Like it's just it's it's a crazy setting for a movie. Um, but really this is about human nature, about man and the depravity and, um, what happens when you can work together, what happens when, um, society starts to fall apart, you know, um, who takes control, how to manage uh, a small collective of people, all those things. Um, it's heart wrench, a heart wrenching movie. Uh, this movie will leave you in tears at the end of it. it it's not what you think it is. Um, I love this movie through and through one of my all-time favorite films. I could not leave this off my list. And at the end of the day, when I thought about it, I had to make it my number one movie. Have you ever seen this movie? I have not. Um, I don't know if it's a movie you like, to be honest with you, Travis. You tend to like happy endings. And I'll just be frank with you. This movie doesn't have the most happy of endings. Um, but um, I don't know. I think it's a it has very interesting things to say politically. And, um, I think, uh, like I said, just kind of about the depravity and resilience of man. So, um, if you haven't seen the mist, um, it's not necessarily a horror film. It's not necessarily meant to be seen, um, in Halloween during Halloween. I would say you can watch it any time in the year and it's entertaining and gorgeously shot. Frank Darabont, in my opinion, is a very underrated director. Um, yeah, Check out the mist. There it is. Travis, our Halloween lists are done.
1: Yeah. I think we went through everything, man.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully next year we'll be able to, maybe we could just limit it to, we could do a couple episodes about vampires, zombies, you know, maybe do our favorite horror movies, maybe our favorite PG horror movies. Like there's mm. a lot of good horror movies out there that aren't rated R. Like that's true. Hocus Pocus. Like, um, the ring, <laughs> like the ring. Um, yeah. Anyways, um, we got another episode that's gonna to come to you this week. We're gonna uh, spend a whole episode focusing on just UFC 244. So check out that. Uh, anything else before we skedaddle?
1: Uh, email us at uh the Cult pop at gmail.com.
0: Cult pop with a K at gmail.com. Alright, that's gonna do for this episode. We'll catch you on the flip side.